Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is sponsored by Perforce. Perforce is the number one version control software that you and your team can use to collaborate on present and future projects. If you don't want to lose your work, if you want to use the same software that AAA developers are using right now for over 20 years, you want to go to proofforce.com, give it a download. Currently, it's still free for teams that are under five users. And it's very easy to use, and they have instructions to how to even set it up within the cloud. More than ever, people are using Perforce to connect with each other and perform. So you shouldn't be out of the exception. So go to Perforce.com, check it out in the link description below. This episode is also sponsored by Unity. Unity is a great piece of software for you to realize your creative ideas. So you can collaborate with the team right now. And if you have a game idea that you want to realize, go to unity.com. It's completely free to use and start planning it out. Unity has been a big supporter of GDUX and the podcast, and we highly recommend them as well because developers around the world are going towards Unity to game develop on a AAA level as well as an indie level. So go check them out. As you guys may know, aside from running the Game Dev Unchained podcast, I have developed a school called Game School Online. You can go check it out in GameSchoolOnline.com because Game School Online was a response to the school system that I went through personally in my college years and actually spent five more years while I was working at these AAA development teams to teach and give back at these physical schools. So I've been around a few campuses and we're teaching and talking to students to give them a chance to get into the industry. And I was largely surprised that the system haven't really much changed. Uh, Students are going in, in crazy debt, but no guarantees of actually having a chance to pay them back in the loan amount is far excessive for what you actually get as a salary within five years. So it took me a while uh, to pay that all back, 10 years to be exact. And I wanted to change that. I, I knew there was a better way, and that's what Game School Online is. It's a, it's a system that I believe that's going to be very affordable, but it actually connects you to AAA developers that are working in the field right now on the biggest games that you've heard of. So you want to go to gameschoolonline.com, check it out. And we have a program which is called Becoming an Apprentice that gives you weekly critiques as well as connections to AAA developers and uh, opportunity to do one-on-one meetings uh, if you choose to do so. 
Uh, additionally, something I'm really proud of is the scholarship program where every three months, all the courses, even a month of being coming apprentice is completely free as long as you show the determination, hard work and good work. Uh, this is an opportunity for anyone that is on an international level, can't afford an education, want to get in game dev, but don't have the community to help support. Um, so we have actually a lot of students from all over the, the world who are participating in our program. I'm super proud of that. And it actually, it's always surprising to kind of see how much talent there is out there Uh and just not enough opportunity to kind of give them a hand and and let them shine. So Game School Online, check it out. Right now, we are running a character art jam for the next 10 weeks, starting next week. It's a great opportunity for you to kind of go in there and learn. It's a competition disguised. Uh, well, it's, it's basically a course... Disguise as a competition. So for 10 weeks, every week, there will be a scholar critique, which is what we call our mentor, a scholar, that will give you sage advice on how to build up your character. So if you want to check that out, the link is kind of crazy. Uh, check out in the description below uh, and click through and join the contest. So this episode is a talk from GDUX Redux 2019, where we had Kidman Chan. He's been on the podcast before, and this is a conversation, a fireside chat with Kidman about the artist apocalypse and how to survive it. I think more prevalent than ever before. Uh, the time has changed, obviously, with the pandemic. But I think unless you are lucky enough to be at these uh, studios that have been kind of embracing remote working uh, full-fledgedly, hopefully most of you guys are at those studios right now. Indie developers and freelancers and people who have been kind of fending for themselves, uh, self-employed within the industry are... Struggling right now, I believe uh, it's a lot tougher. Um, not 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 per se about the competition, but I think uh, because of the uncertainty with a lot of these studios, just trying to deal with internal artists and trying to still get a workflow going. Uh, there's just hasn't been any resources kind of concentrated for external developers or freelancers to kind of help them along. I mean, some, I will say that, you know, a lot of developers out there who are really good to have done this a while are actually doing just fine. But I would say a large percentage isn't uh, because this is a weird time. A lot of people are figuring things out within the studio and the communication is just very poor and it takes... You know, if I were to equate it to myself, it took me about six months to kind of get into the groove when working from home. So you got a 10x or 20x that if you're running a studio with hundreds of people. Uh, so imagine that. So I think this talk is actually perfect at this time uh, for people who are freelancing or independent developers. Uh, 
that are trying to see a path through this pandemic and hold on. So please enjoy. So I've been basically working as an artist uh, in the entertainment field for uh, about 15, 16 years, maybe 17, I don't know, a long time uh, at this point, kind of uh, losing track of exactly how many years, but but yeah, and in a number of industries, I worked in film, I worked in games, animation, uh, did dabbled in theme parks, comics, um, some movie poster development, toys, uh, and yeah, kind of covered a wide spectrum of industries as an artist. So, does that uh, is that what you're looking for, or do you want <laughs> you want me to dive down in more specifics, or? Now that suffices, man. <laughs> so, I mean, you've definitely been in the industry for a long time, and uh, I-, I wanted to appreciate the uh, different types of industries that you've been in. I think you're one of the few Thanks. friends and colleagues that we, you know, I've had that pretty much touch, I think, every types of uh, medium and, and expressions of art in other industries that utilizes your particular skill. Um, right. Can you expand that on that bit where we're talking? He's being a little modest. He's been in the industry over like what twenty years now. Been around, yeah, around, around that, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like my first, uh, my first, I guess, major gig was for this film. I worked, at, I worked directly with George Lucas for like, three years, uh, and then um, we moved on to uh, work with Doug Chang on, on a few things, eventually getting me onto Rogue One. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I worked in a number of film projects, uh, and then transitioned into, uh, comics where I was, uh, able to work with Dave Gibbons on a project, uh, and yeah, a number of other, uh, developments, so good stuff. So I'm sure over <laughs> the years too, being around students, around colleagues and around people who are just generally interested in getting into these different types of industries. Uh, right. I guess the most common question that it always goes to is like, how much? I mean, what does it really take to to get into these industries to get started? Uh, first, I think um, if if you're starting out in the industry, like you're trying to get in as an artist, I feel like it's important to know first which industry you want to get into, and be a very good consumer of that product uh in terms of like just knowing what the landscape is knowing what the uh what you're going to be working for so that's like if if any pre-qualifiers that's definitely one that has to be there uh beyond that um you have to show that uh, you can perform for those uh for those industries so let's say it's uh games Right, you have to show that you can do, uh, you can develop artwork for uh, the property that you're you're going to um, be working for, and so there's three, there there's like I was always presented with like three qualities uh, that uh, that kind of stuck with me, it was uh, being fast, having uh, great work, uh, like high quality work, or being just a friendly guy. Uh, and so if you can ca- capture what that means for 
each industry being fast, being quality, or being friendly. Have two of those, and for the most part, you'll be that's that'll get you a good leg up in terms of like getting in. Um, I think over the years I've developed like I feel like there's one more factor there, uh, and that's uh, adaptability. So um, on top of being fast, on top of being really good, on top of being uh, super friendly and, and being easy to work with, are you adaptable? Because uh, these industries, like the games industry, the film industry, all these things are shifting all the time. Technology, new technologies, like getting introduced. So how, um, if you're trying to get in, first, are you good enough? And then can you adapt your style or your something about you to make, to be able to fit the needs of uh, a shifting industry? That's what I would say about that. Brandon? Yeah, sorry. I was on mute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I <laughs> Us being in the industry for a, a while now, and uh, the things that, at least the pattern that I see for a veteran such as yourself and being in the industry myself for that amount of time, is the power to endure and sustain. I, I think um, I think if it's more, if, if we get just get paid for the craft, it's a lot, uh, it's an easier conversation because then it would be just like, you know, it's good work or not, right? Uh, but I think, what makes it heavy is either the people or the other stuff when uh, things don't go well. Like when the office or the, the company or the, the project or something, all these other factors beyond just me and my craft, did I deliver, right? So right. my question is, uh, what keeps you going, man? Like... Uh, yeah, you're. I think if we go by the traditional game dev life cycle, which is, I think you've heard of this about this like five years, right? Five years is like the burnout mm -hmm. rate for most industry developers. Yeah, I, I felt that around five years. Yeah. <laughs> so you lived four times yeah. the life cycle of a game developer <laughs> if we were to uh, factor that in. So, yeah. <laughs> do you mind kind of going through? Like, uh, let's craft this uh, question into something very interesting. The 5, 10, 15, 20 year mark. Did you notice like each of those five years being mon monumentally different challenges? There were definitely different challenges. One was like, um, I heard some of your older talks, and, like you're talking about artist atrophy. Mm -hmm. And that definitely happened. Um, and then life happened. Uh, and then, um, and then different phases, right? So it's more uh, like in the beginning, it's more like I've learned everything in school and I've kind of uh, maxed that out. Everything until I've learned, I've uh, basically used that to my full full potential, and I don't know where to go. So then I had to kind of expand out of that. Uh, and then over the years, it's, it was more like my role, like like as a concept artist, I've kind of expanded, like and just uh, exhausted all my resources, everything I learned in concept art, 
uh, over the first couple of years, like I kind of, I felt like I got to a point where I couldn't grow from there. And it was like, it was a hurdle to kind of overcome. So there are definitely sticking points like over the years. And when you're talking about like life stuff happens, just like I think with age, uh, that comes with it, right? Your your circumstance changes yeah. or uh, friends and family uh, plays a big right. role into that. Um, totally. Was there any spe- – I don't want to get too personal. Any specifics besides uh, that you well, would like to share about like, whoa, this okay, is something I, mean, I did not anticipate um, going into this. Like, I mean, related to work, right? So, I mean – there were a couple of times when projects just, for whatever reason, uh, they just get shut down, you know, uh, and you're not able to, no matter what you do as an artist or, or uh, in your role, to to be able to be to excellent in that field. Just uh, decisions get made up top, and you are not you're all of a sudden out of work, right? Things like that, and so what what do you do how can you this is where adaptability comes in is because you have to kind of be able to think on your feet and figure out like okay well, well everything i was doing was for this specific project or for this uh particular piece or subject matter right and then now that that's been stripped away from you you have to kind of go back to the landscape and figure out like okay what else is out there and how can i gear all my work towards uh something new Right, things like that happen. That's happened a couple of times. So, right, and um, so how how do you keep your art fresh and relatable with uh, with the new techniques that you said? There's this like um, momentum that you get from school where your instructors or mentors kind of lay it out for you and and say these are the things that you need to improve and and like you said, you've reached. Uh, to a point where you felt really good and comfortable about those things that you need to improve and you started venturing kind of different industries of uh, basically how to apply those in different ways. Yeah. How do you keep right. yourself going and reinvent yourself so that you're not going stale? Yeah, so I think one thing, I, I mean, a lot of reflection time, obviously, uh, between those like um, it goes in waves. Sometimes you're really busy, but then other times where you, you have a lot of time to reflect. So I feel like as an artist, I've always been a good learner of like principles or uh, craft. So for me, that was what I stuck to. When things um, hit a wall, I would, I would find something else to about the industry that maybe I was weak on and try to learn uh, something new about it. So dive into a different style or dive into a different um, what I was consuming. I would try to consume different things uh, and try to try to explore what what else is in the landscape. What are people responding to? What are what kind of other uh, conventions or other uh, events I could go to to uh, try and learn um, something that I haven't learned already? You know. So I dive into, uh, I try new things in that in that respect, and uh, it kind of got me through. Sometimes it's altogether like completely different. Like um, I picked up cooking; I like to cook, uh, so 
I stuck to cooking for a while, uh, you know, on the side. Uh, and then things I would pick up from cooking, I would actually bring back into the artwork uh, and, and apply it uh, in, on a higher level. So, it's, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's different for everyone. Yeah, you, you got to expand that on expand that a bit how do you take something so <laughs> different like cooking and actually bring it back <laughs> to the cintiq <laughs> okay so and you can break down art into principles right like you have value you have color right you have uh you have shapes and like things that you can do with your line or if there's different types of quality of the line that you can apply to any drawing or any painting right so learning how to itemize uh, those valuable pieces of the art and put them together. I always think of it like ingredients, right? So if, if you, um, so you have your recipe, like let's say, like we're looking at Nino Kuni right now. So let's say Nino Kuni has a certain recipe of elements in art, right? There's like, it's line heavy, right? It's more about, uh, there's not so much like heavy form shadow lighting. It's much more about the design of the character. So that has to be strong. The silhouette has to be strong. And so there's these there's these items that you can kind of uh, list, right? And so from a cooking standpoint, that would be your base, like soup, right? Or like you have your main ingredients that you want to put in a soup. And then how do you make it your own? You got these different flavors, right? It's like, what are you trying? Like, uh, like yes, like a couple of days ago, I added strawberries to a tomato paste, right? To act to actually uh, punch up the flavor. So you can do the same things with your art. Like, what are some like little things that you haven't tried that you could spice up for? Like, uh, like if you're playing around with line work, if you're doing something very line heavy, how can you? add this other layer to it that is that maybe not maybe no one has thought of like to kind of add into the mix so that, and that could be content it could be something that you're trying in terms of how you how you put down a stroke it could be your line weight it could be all these things and like you just have to like really dive deep and like be creative in that sense so to answer your question of course so uh i mean That's, you yeah. clearly are showing i'm just showing some of your work man some i haven't even seen yeah. yet so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dope ash lines <laughs> so you're obviously qualified you're obviously really excellent at what you do um and we talked about a bit how you kind of played around with def, uh, jumping different industries to kind of keep those challenges up for yourself so you're not bored because it sounds mm -hmm. like too like that that can easily happen and the way you're talking oh, yeah. about how food can go back into your 2d artwork is, is definitely something uh at least highlights how much of a better artist you are than me <laughs> because i don't i do not think like that at all i don't go back and look at my ramen that i'm cooking that day and be like how do i make my better better 3d art for this? That's yeah. i don't know that's just me that's that's my uh but what that's my way of dealing with things you know it's i don't think everyone has the same path 
for sure. Like, but when you explain it to me, it makes a lot of sense. It's like your brain yeah. is kind of configured in a way that you can piece things together, and then it just clicks. And so when you do bring it back into your tablet or Cintiq or drawing board, uh, you you start to see these patterns uh, that your brain just gets practice from all this other art form that you're kind of experimenting. Mm. And I, I, and I, to me, it makes total sense because it, it gives you the break that you need because I think a lot of artists yeah. are so hunched over all the time. And oh yeah. Well, that's the five year mark, right? That's exactly yep. the five year mark because yep. you're used, you're so comfortable doing a thing, right? Like, uh, you've gotten to a routine of, uh, making a high quality piece and you have a certain method of doing that and you do the same thing and that's how you get it done, right? But you're so used to that, doing that same thing over and over and over. It's like nothing's new, it's kind of boring, right? So so that, that's like how I kind of learned how to take it to another level maybe. Mm -hmm. And have you talked to other uh, artists or developers um, that that shares the same amount of years for advice like what kind of what what are the best and worst advice that you've gotten from these people when we're kind of approaching past the five-year mark the 10-year mark now let's say as uh for an example and you're just looking for like wow it's, it's i made it through or past the graveyard of developers i would say pfft, 60%, 60% of developers who, who felt the burn didn't come back mm -hmm. from the grave, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. now I'm in the little, like, 40 or 25% of the people who survived that. But I'm, I'm also feeling that dip of, like, you know. And I also feel this way, like, around the 7, 10-year mark. You, especially in the game industry, you've reached the salary cap of what you can earn yeah, yeah. in your position. Sure. Yeah. And it's like, all right, money's not the motivator anymore. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been lead. I've been in these different positions, but it's just, it's just a it's just a title, really, at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, with I, this, know, I totally agree. With, yeah. with a different level of type of a uh, bullshit <laughs> that comes with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The challenge um, so is that really. I, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a marathon, right? And so how do you? Um, there's there's different ways of countering it i guess um and it's i really think it's case by case uh, everyone's got a different th story to tell and different struggles to go through so some are like i can't i kind of feel like it also starts with what you were passionate about in the beginning um so uh, like i have a friend who uh we connected on art because we were both really passionate about art uh you know and and training in that respect and so we would struggle through over the years. We kind of struggle together about different things that we were, um, and, you know, you, you just have, you just bond that way. You know, you, you, you'd have like conversation, long conversations about art and what it, what it means to be an artist in, in these fields and like what other people, like, yeah, like what, what else is going on and how people are approaching it. And then why am I so frustrated doing what I do and how can I, benefit like how can i be of value um so lots of conversations around that um but other people like i've talked to like they they really just they're not so they don't need that um interaction as much 
like they they work on their own right and so what they would do is just when they're feeling it they would uh they take like a six month sabbatical and like just travel travel europe for like six months uh and not do anything uh and then they come back all refresh and and like good to go so it's different for everyone um have you tried that kind of, uh, have you gone through... I, i've done a little yeah i've done a little bit of traveling and it, it, it does help for sure uh you get so you get so much exposure to things you would never think about uh here like for, for us it's in the states right so uh but yeah like you know traveling to barcelona was awesome uh and traveling to all these different places in europe were uh, really eye-opening like you get different tastes of culture uh, and uh, kind of some insights of, of how people live over there. And um, it's very different, you know. Um, and also what they, what you learn about what people aspire towards and, uh, you know, visiting museums, like you get to see a glimpse of what they're inspired by. Um, so it, it opens your mind that way for sure. Um, I was able to see, for like, I was, I guess this is kind of related to my path was I, I got to see um, people like Dali or Picasso and, uh, and just see um, their journey like in uh, over a lifetime, you know, and I think that was really helpful for me because like I got to see how much love, how much more love they put into their work than say someone that's working uh, for a game, you know, as a, as a, just a nine to five, right? It's a, there's a, there's a huge level of difference in how much passion and how much more uh, like dedication they put into their work. Like down, like, so, and let me know, let me know if I'm going, uh, if you want to move on to another topic, but, uh, no, like keep I, expanding. I got, see, yeah. uh, I got to see Gaudi, right, for instance, in Barcelona. And, like, he's an architect, just as, like, you know, he did the Sagrada Familia, but he spent, like, he spent, like, 10 to, yeah, at least 10 to 20 years on, like, one building. Or uh, in the in his final, like, masterpiece, like the Sagrada Familia, he spent, like, 40 years of his life living at the place, working on this one building or one tower of one building, and they're still working on it to, to, find, to, to finish it. And so like looking at the details, like you would look at, uh, you could you find pictures online, obviously, and it's beautiful, but and, and you can see like, gotta get, get a glimpse of like how it feels. But when you go into the details, like, and you actually talk to people about, um, how it was made like and the choices of material and why he like every decision he made was like considered and then so like in uh he, he built this house and like in one of the windows even like um man down to the the window handle or like the like what you would use to like open the the window no oh. All right, I think we slowly just lost him for a second. Everybody just hang on. It's just like, it's so intricate. And like, 
I can't. It's like so beautifully done that it's like really eye opening. Uh, yeah. We just lost you for like two seconds, but I think we got oh, the, really? a good amount okay. of that. Don't worry. Uh, I think, uh, I guess my question is, is like, um, I think concept artist does this a little better than most uh, other types of artists where we get inspiration and motivation by actually visiting these sites. I think it's very easy to kind of just Google search a lot of this and just, <laughs> it's not yeah, just, it's not the right. same type of feeling. It's not the type of, uh, same type of inspiration. Just hearing a story where uh, an artist was spending 20 years on a particular piece. It's uh, yeah. It's not something it's a digital also, artist does anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's like and who has time to, right? Yeah. But I mean, just going there and learning um, these things, like you kind of get a glimpse into uh, a lot of their philosophies and why they would make these decisions as well. And so I feel like maybe not down to the nitty gritty, but just understanding their their philosophy about uh, behind why they would do something coming back to the artwork, I kind of apply some of that thinking. Like why, uh, you know, yeah, understanding why you would do something uh, as opposed to just getting a, uh, you know, getting an assignment and doing it. And so that definitely gave you an, another boost uh, past the 10-year uh, mark. Is it something that you feel like is going to sustain an artist just continuously getting inspiration by physically visiting these masters. Um, I guess the question uh, is, is, like, does that ever, do you feel like that, 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 well. I don't think I, that's I, the I, only answer, no. I, okay. I don't think that's the only answer. Well, so what uh, other I, advice do you have with that? Again, it's case by case. Yeah, I really think, like, everyone's going through different things, so, um yeah, probably too many avenues to explore there. Well, what other avenues uh, do you feel like <laughs> other artists usually? Because the 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 ability to go visit a landmark uh, or a beautiful um, just just remnants of a master's work uh, can feel out of reach for some. Oh yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I, I'm probably the least traveled person you'll ever met, but it's not like. <laughs> It's not like I don't want to. Obviously, I would want to. I would love to. Um, how else would that be reachable um, if they don't have that access to kind of boost um, themselves out of that rut? You, uh, the easiest thing would be to go to a gathering where uh, people of different disciplines or different cultures meet. And then ask them questions about their experience. And if, if, there, if there's a topic that you agree on or relate to, then asking questions about that. And then, and then you'll probably find that they have some different experiences and different things that they, uh, they have learned over the years. So I think just being open to that is, is extremely valuable. So these meetups, uh that you're talking about. I mean, this could, yeah, like GDC or mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, or what else, E3, or like, you know, games, we're talking about games. So yeah, game developers, conferences, like, you know, there's all, all sorts of talks like, like this one or like the guy, uh, 
that you just you just posted before uh, about different topics. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like meetup.com, I, I've explored a little bit. I, I should more, but it's really a matter of like how much time I have these days. So, but yeah, if if I had more time, I would definitely go to meetup.com and uh, like explore some of the different interests and, and different meetups that are going on. Uh, like there's different resources, like Airbnb has experiences you can try and uh, local newspaper, you know, uh, yellow pages, I guess. <laughs> yellow, I don't think I ever seen <laughs> I haven't seen a yellow page for a long time, dude. <laughs> not, not just the, the phone book, just like a yellow page. Yeah. And no one uses but, stationery uh, as much. <laughs> <laughs> but part of that is, I mean, before even going through that, I think there does need to be some kind of reflection in terms of what is it that you feel like you want to grow in? Or is there something that you feel frustrated about that you could maybe address because if you don't have that in mind that and you and you go to these places like you there's there's no intention there there's no like there's no real like you don't know what you're looking for so you're probably not going to learn as much if you don't have that um prep work i guess well this is a interesting point right here actually so i think when we start going into the industry um at least i had a hard time kind of taking feedback which was my like arrogant young uh young blood type of like i whatever right but then it took a while for me like well you know this is a group type of um project and he he knows way better than I do, or she knows way better than I do. And it's just kind of group effort because we are going to put it out there to millions or thousands or whatever who's going to see this. So it's always good to get uh, a find a middle ground, right, without sacrificing the the expression. But then now later in my career, it's like, well, this guy, I'm back to like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I know. <what> I <laughs> do you find yourself in a similar type of journey now that you know you have 20 years plus years in your belt, and as we've seen with your artwork, it's like, what is it a critique about? Yeah, they like it or you don't, and it must be tough, kind of take directions at this point in your career. I mean, how? I mean, and draining too. So how how did you been dealing with that? I can see that happening. Yeah, but I feel like. They've grown too. I mean, I feel like, you know, when I work with someone, haven't seen them for a couple of years and I work with them again, uh, most of the time they're in a different place too. So I kind of just read, kind of engage and, and approach it that way. Like, hey, we're in a new situation. What is it that I've learned that I could provide? And are they doing a good job? And where are they doing a good job? If they're, if there's something that I'm, uh, maybe qualities that they had that were maybe I, I would consider annoying, then how can I, like, maybe what can I bring to the table that would counter that or would add to the value of the product regardless? <laughs> I don't know if, that, if you agree with that, but that's kind of my, that would be my approach. <laughs> I mean, that's a very uh, political way of going about it, for sure. <laughs> but it is definitely one of those things that I think we're. But, but I think it's also group, our, yeah. our experiences, right? Because my, like, 
I think production's a little bit more, you probably see a lot more of that kind of stuff happening. Uh, and my experiences have been more on the blue sky area and more like on the like develop like upfront development. So I guess there hasn't been that much uh, as much of those dynamics. And if they are there, they're they're either above or below. Like meaning like things happen on the business side. I'm sure there's all sorts of battles that happen over there and outside of you know. Like they they get to a point where it's developable, <laughs> and that so and that so we we do our job and they you know just like uh, develop the project and then after that it hands off to production. So and I'm sure when you're in the trenches like that, a lot more stuff might happen. But like for concept and development, it's more it's much more just like crank out the work and then get the thing uh, get the ball rolling on uh, in terms of how the uh, uh, defining the project or defining the look of the project or whatnot. So I think that it minimizes maybe some of those dynamics. And concept art usually does the kickoff uh, of any project or um, engagement, right? So uh, can you kind of speak on the experiences where, especially with your your role's changing. Uh, you've been art director, you've been lead, you've been a senior artist, you've been all over. Um, how, how, how that kind of ties in at the end? I mean, have you found yourself at the tail end of things where you're kind of just making sure that the original vision's being delivered correctly in all disciplines? I, I guess that's the art director role, right? Just like, you know, mm. I, I, I painted it this way and you guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't do it right. This my, is how you do it. My art so my art director experience admittedly is limited. Uh, I wasn't managing big teams or anything, so I didn't have to deal with uh, heavy people dynamics and all the personalities that are involved with that. Um, so I think in terms of following direction, it was, or and delivering direction, it was much smoother in that sense. Like basically uh, things needed to get done uh, for them, like um, almost like a startup level. And so I would just kind of try and cover my bases that way. So the, the stress is more like, what have we, have we developed a finished product? And is, has the vision been carried out enough to where it can handle all of those aspects of the product? So I think that's where the challenge is for maybe a startup development. But something like on a bigger project, I, I guess that your responsibility is more, slightly more limited, or if they are that big, then you have a lot of responsibility in terms of like managing people. And so that's like, there's a whole other set of challenges there, so. Well, on the subject of uh, challenges and uh, the survivability of uh, an artist, uh, I think a big component to that that never really gets talked about as much or at least shared uh, from a mentor to a student or anybody within the industry uh, is the people aspect. It's just uh, I, I always tell this to my uh, my business partner, my friend, or anybody that is willing to listen out there, <laughs> that people are variables. Uh, that's... 
they have such a huge impact on your career, on your personal projects. Um, you can plan it out as best you can, but if people come with their problems, it, it just really uh, tosses everything oh, yeah. on a loop. So how, how has your dynamic change uh, from the beginning of your career, the five-year mark, the 10-year mark, like have you found it getting easier or are you still going back at the end of the day and be like, oh, this mf'er <laughs> uh you know, just made it a little tougher less, that stuff happens less and less um i think because the more you work on projects the more you find the people that you like working with and they like working with you so they rehire you to work on on things uh and then so as long as you're doing good work and you're friendly or or you're connecting with people that match your your personality i guess then the more that you work like the less that you'll see those kind of things happen uh so and it becomes the challenge becomes more about the project itself rather than you know this motherfucker or this this guy like you like that you didn't get along with early on right those kind those, those kind of things are i think things that you work out in the first five years uh, and then you'll connect to the, you'll connect to the people that you really connect with. And those just, you know, if you stick with them, like they'll kind of keep you going through the next however long. So that's what I found. Mm -hmm. It really does become a game upon itself. Uh, working with people, forming alliances, subconsciously or consciously <laughs> within a workplace and i've seen this uh i guess in bigger studios and less so in smaller studios uh but because a lot of times when you go in the smaller studios you are there mostly because you know someone right uh, especially late in your career right making that type mm -hmm. of strategic move it's because hey i know someone that's there might be a fun thing you never really right. go out there and ply oh do i want to work on uh, the next Call of Duty, or do I want to work on this obscure title that no one ever heard of <laughs> with people I never worked with, well, whose resume yeah. I can't even find? So hey, there's something you know. There, there are definitely values to that too. Like I've definitely worked on uh, projects that were um, maybe considered more obscure, or like no one would ever, no one else would ever work on that. But but there was something about it that i was drawn to that i that i felt like okay this could be really cool for like for me learning something new and that's i think that's where i think kind of my strength is is learning something about something that i i would have more patience for that maybe someone else might not <laughs> have you found this pretty useful <laughs> among uh your competitiveness or competitors within a workplace just having the patience to kind of see things through and not different. be yeah, yeah. I, I can't say i can't say it's better or worse it's just that's just kind of just being effective of myself mm -hmm. and and moving forward that way and then seeing where things go what are the biggest uh, biggest difference between a, a ten year artist versus a fifteen? What was the biggest thing that you saw change 
on a personal level where you're like, yeah, I'm visiting these museums. I'm visiting around the world. I kick, I reinvigorated my passion for art and, and learning. Uh, but I'm hitting the 15 year mark or 20 year mark now. And I'm, you know, it's like, it's like, do I, it's, it's always a reset button because, um, because three to five years is usually when we look for new jobs. I don't yeah. know too many people that are staying within the same job for five, 10 years. If they do, yeah. that's great. But somehow they, they've settled, uh, yeah. and not really and I think maybe changing. I can't speak for everyone, you know, because I don't know how they think or what they're going through. But my experience was five to ten or seven to ten years in. I think I was a little bit more competitive, uh, and it took me another six or seven years to to get over that competitiveness, and that's that's a really hard thing to do. Um, so, and then being able to, uh, be more focused on team, that's actually a pretty hard challenge. Uh, you know, you could say it and it's like, there's things that you, they do to promote that, but to actually install that into your working method as a, like, let's say a freelance artist or someone who is, who was more on the art side and, and less on working with development or like with on production, that kind of thing. It's teamwork is actually not the easiest thing to learn, you know, in those, in those situations. So I feel like that was a big hurdle for me. So. No, I definitely can relate to that. Um, I, I think within our close circles, the concept team is kind of similar to, well, I mean, the environment team is usually the biggest team. But within the environment team, we're not hanging out with like 20, 30 plus people. It's usually within our clicks, which is four to five, within our arm reach. And yeah, it took me a while to stop being competitive. Uh, I think the first formative years is like a learning experience, of course. Um, you're trying to establish yourself on a junior level. So there is a slight comp uh, competition there. And then when you get into mid level, the senior. You're kind of looking around to see who's the fastest, who's the best, who's the best quality. Right, and, yeah. Yeah. and job security becomes a real thing because now you have family and mouths to feed. Oh, yeah. So it's more like, all right, how do I, you know, sh shine myself a better light than this person next to me? Uh, and then years after, it's like, oh my God, we're all going to get laid off anyways. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And the, and the younger generation comes in, right? And yeah. then basically, you know, all these guys are getting kicked out of their jobs because this, if younger, fresher, cheaper person can can do everything that the older guy can do, so uh, so yeah, it's like that's where adaptability really comes into play. It's like how can you uh, survive in that with those kind of dynamics. So I have a question here from Indie Game Biz, our partner for this uh, three day conference. Uh, the question is, what recommendations? Uh, Sorry, I'm gibbering right now. What recommendations do you have for younger people who want to learn more about the art side of the industry? Eight to 12 years old in particular. And this is actually, I want to tag on to that. Oh. Oh. Yeah, the, 
a lot of the electives now in at least in the United States have been kind of been taken out. I think there's still basics of drawing within the classroom, but um, art in particular has been taken a hit. So uh, uh, how do you recommend uh, the youngins uh, get into this where they can at least help themselves pay well, the pay? I, I would say, I mean, 8 to 12 years old, I feel like that's something that would be a good thing to show interest with your parents and say, you know, hey, I, I want to pursue this. And they might have a better idea of like how to connect to the right people. Um, but on top of that, you know, there's different things you can research. There's a lot of free tutorials online uh, in terms of how to draw. Uh, you can look into schools, uh, like trade schools uh, that, that are specific to uh, maybe an area of focus. If it is concept, then there's definitely concept art schools that you can go to um, and you can research about that. But if it's just drawing, there's also, you know, there's drawing schools specifically for that too. So it, it just depends like where, where you want to grow. So that's definitely a conversation now with your parents. Uh, and, you know, I think at, it would be a good bonding experience and it would be a good way to, you know, kind of get them on the same page of where you want to go. And as you know, I feel like that's where our teamwork can, can be installed too. So. Mm -hmm. and I definitely, and you chime, yeah, you chime in if you agree. Yeah. I totally disagree. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> as well, a parent I, yourself, right? So as a parent myself, I, uh, at least having some perspective in this industry, I think there's two types of drawings, and maybe uh, you have a better, uh, broader view on this. Where, you know, if, if uh, there's not much of a future of a kid sitting there drawing Donald Duck all day, right? Sure, they're getting the practice and getting the shirt, but like I, I would want to tailor that towards more commercial type of art. So I mean, oh, oh the other thing I would add to that, yeah. 8 to 12, you should be drawing every day. Every day. You have all the free time in the world. So draw as much as you can and draw uh, the things that you really love to draw. So uh, start with that. 10, okay. Yeah, if you're 8 to 12 years old and you're listening to this and you're serious about it, you should have. You should already have a few things that you already love to draw. So I would suggest drawing just, you know, for me it was Spider-Man. For me it was Garfield. I was like all over the map, like drawing cartoons, like watching Looney Tunes and just diving into the artwork and like copying stuff for a while, you know, uh, before I learned that, uh, hey, there's an actual education, you can actually go to school for this stuff. Like up until, like I didn't even know there was school for art, but I, um, I loved comics and I loved cartoons and, and I loved video games. So I drew whatever I could, uh, whatever inspired me to draw, I would just draw that. Uh, so let me, became, uh, yeah. well, let me tag into that. Right. So, uh, yeah. if you were to go back, knowing what you know now, knowing the career path and how fruitful it could be, uh, you going back to that 12 year old Kinman Chan and be like, Hey, I see that you're drawing a lot of Spider-Man, but here's a more clear path to optimize your time. What would you say to that 12-year-old to like 
instead of wandering around drawing all sorts of things uh what's a better path there for me i wouldn't tell myself anything because i was too stubborn as a kid i was too i was too stubborn to listen to anyone else so um yeah i i can't say much about that much more about that (laughs) i was just very stubborn kid so yeah, like a perfect. So I was gonna, I, no matter what, I was gonna draw whatever I was gonna draw at that right. point. Right. Right. Uh, so. Well. Uh, yeah. If but if I, I mean, if I were more, if I knew that I was more receptive to listening, I guess, and I had to talk to myself something. Hmm. I'd say, um, open open yourself up to different ways of learning. You know, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in, you know, like growing up, I actually didn't like Disney drawings. Uh, but, you know, like later on, like I learned how valuable Disney drawings were and like how important those methods of drawing became to, and like were such a core for like foundation. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess like, being open to different methods and also having the discipline to stick to a method that maybe you don't agree with in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look at the, like kind of have the ability to look at the results. And if you like the results, study that method and be willing to adapt uh, to that method, it, like for for a time, you know, until you can get to that level, to, to that thing that you really loved about it, and then you can move on. Mm-hmm. So my last question here, and um, this is kind of like cornering into twenty year mark here. I imagine at this point, you're kind of taking a look around and. Um, recent years is a little better, but this is, uh, we're starting to approach like we used to be the young one in the studio, and now we're the older ones. Oh, yeah. And there's not and there's not that many much uh, older people <laughs> that sticks around, and it's this constant mm-hmm. thing that I always see when I'm working with in the studio, right? Um, like what? I mean, that's something that just never get really taught. You either swing with it, or you don't. And you hang with the hang with the crowd as much as you can, but at some point you're like, man, where where, are they, where did all the older people go? <laughs> that's, because that's exactly what I'm looking at. Where did they go? <laughs> I <have> no idea. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, like, have you given this much thought? Because I, I look around the studios like, it's not like I gave them a send off or a goodbye. I mean, they weren't even near the retirement age or anything. It's just that they're yeah. gone or working at smaller places or or just hanging on uh for day of life it's just something that hr doesn't really help us uh yeah I, some people i have no idea like and then other people like i know a good chunk of them became leads or became like more in like director management positions uh or moved on to you know take care of the kids or something like that. Like, they're just too busy to interact, right? So, 
I don't know where you're going with that question, but that's the, you know. <laughs> that's well, I'm of... just I'm saying we're old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a young type of industry, as far as I can tell. And uh, right. And I feel like a lot of the at least senior level elites are kind of exiting games, or at least working at mm. Facebook or Oculus, or working at Google, something a little more stable where it's less competitive. Um, I'm not saying they're settling, but in a way, it's uh, that's uh, that seems to be where the market is heading. Um, at least people who are maturing or has a family, they're looking less about the risk. I mean, they're looking yeah, more feel, at the risk and taking less of it. Yeah. Yeah. I see from my perspective, I see that games are transitioning more into immersive developments. So like AR and VR is becoming like a, a bigger thing. Uh, and games is like, I feel like there's uh, like a really high bar of quality in games. So if you're trying to get in, like, good luck. It's really hard at this point. But at the same time, I feel like those guys are, like, super high bar and, at, you know, lead positions. So they're cranking out great work. And so the games industry as a whole, like, it's consistent, right? It's, it's like you have your audience. You have, like, uh, the solid products that are coming out. So... Uh, it's still a strong industry to be in. But yeah, definitely like it, it is transitioning out that there's more opportunities. You know, streaming is becoming a thing. Uh, AR is becoming, AR and VR is becoming like more relevant slowly. <laughs> and so I feel like people are jumping into these new avenues. Yeah. It's exciting. It's pretty exciting time. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh there's definitely a lot of avenues. I'm glad, and not to kind of just, uh, I'm, I'm celebrating the fact that developers are finding places that they can stay and feel secure at and not having to worry about the product, the end product being the uh, the future of their employment. Like, it's great to have a company like Facebook or, or Google whose main revenue stream is not games. <laughs> because games, again, right, is, yeah. is so unpredictable. Uh, oh, yeah. Where our uh, business model, and I, I think we, we talked about this a bit with Yashka at the beginning of this today's conference, where the the business model needs to adapt and change, where we're not waiting on uh, two, three days, I mean, uh, two, three years after the product is shipped to to see if it's yeah. something worth pursuing. Right. It's a, it's pretty, unless you're like a naughty dog or like something huge, like that has made a name for themselves. It's pretty hard to survive in that kind of environment. Yeah, definitely. Well, Kim and Chan, I am so happy for you to kind of guide us through the apocalypse of, a, of an <laughs> artist. Uh, it is a real thing that I felt for a long time. I think I was with the, there after the five-year mark where the burnout rate was very real hit the 10-year mark i was very different um in my own experience where i I didn't even bother playing the game that i worked on you know that was a really different type of it's like yeah it's out (laughs) yeah well i mean that's 
that's the thing about like you know working on a project or a subject matter for so long it's like you get so numb to it yep right um, so even um i guess bringing it back to the art right so in the in the beginning you're learning about how anatomy right and how to draw a figure like and then you do that enough you draw thousands of figures right and you get it gets to a point where it's kind of second nature you don't think about it anymore so you know where it gets really fun like you have to find new things about it that are fun so for me it was like diving into comics and, and learning about posing or like different things from a writing standpoint that you could do with the figure and so it might be like drawing a figure that's uh you know like well it actually the first couple of years is more about like drawing figures in really expressive poses like action you know action-packed like fighting or you know really extreme like um motions or moves uh or or uh just fantastical things and then it i feel like it evolved to someone drinking coffee coffee or like could be really interesting (laughs) And how do you draw that? Like, it, like I don't know. It evolves, but you have to you have to find something about it that that fuels you, rather than just uh, making it a second nature thing and doing the same thing over and over. So, so for games, I can see if you're doing something like Call of Duty over and over, you're so familiar with that subject matter, you don't want to draw another like, military guy in, like <laughs> in a desert. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are some ways you can make it interesting i don't know uh, after mm. so many years it might it might be hard to do hard to surround yourself around you probably have to try and travel or do something like yeah you know. i mean i i guess i have one last question before i send you off um just to kind of ask for your thoughts about this and your own personal journey uh we're both artists of course uh i'm in the 3d you're in the 2d world and you're bringing up call of duty well i mean (laughs) (laughs) i I did feel that i did feel that at a certain point um and but for me too I, i took a step back it was uh it was less about the subject but more about my overall well-being <laughs> it was more like yeah. you know do i want to be one of 300 you know this is a project that probably would survive without me or exist without me and i was at a point where it's like i need to work on something because i got opinions i got ideas too you know that mm-hmm. needs to be expressed and if i don't go out and, and try it uh this this idea this product in my mind won't exist like i hit at least that was my 10-year mark um, where I mm. felt like I, I didn't want to be a part of a big project anymore. I just completely, it wasn't burnt out. It's just I didn't see uh, an impact as much as I thought I would. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, or you didn't place importance on impact as much ex- as that too. you growing as an artist. Yeah, yeah it was just like, like you know, I kind of I started this with like, how do you tailor the kids to make money out of this 
passion of their where they're drawing Donald Ducks into commercial art because that's the viable option right there to turn it into career, right? But then after doing commercial art for so long, it's like, oh my God, it's just, uh, I'm not downplaying that there is a lot of things you can learn by creating commercial art, but yeah. the definition it, of it commercial is always art, a, it's yeah. a team thing. It's, it's always a, exciting. For yes. sure. It's always exciting. Yeah. It's always exciting. But definitely like I could see like you're focused on a subject for so many years, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though the projects themselves are exciting in that field, it's like you're just bored of the field, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So, and this yeah. is something, yeah, so, I definitely see when you're talking. It definitely resonates with me. It's the subject matter is great, but there's that the people quality to it, where it's like uh, too many people, <laughs> and then the, uh, the the idea to express myself. Uh, gets lost right because it's always it's that classic example of uh it, it, too many well too many hands on 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 the final product right where it gets kind of uh oh. malformed from its original creation sure, right yeah right it's a bunch of people touching your play model yeah. what made it exciting and i see that a lot with team effort and uh on smaller teams it becomes i feel it's more pure in in terms of oh, expression yeah, for sure but there is definitely a lesson there with bigger games where their whole marketing department and stuff that I, I think needs to be still factored in in smaller projects oh, yeah. uh, because you can't just sit there and, and do your best art, but no one buys it, right? You're not going to yeah. do that forever. So there's right. a balance there that I'm, I'm slowly learning from all my big commercial jobs, but at the same time, it's... Uh, Ah, it's, it's disheartening to kind of go through, through that path with uh, so many people. Right. It's, yeah, I feel like, and working in big environments versus working in small environments, there are different challenges. There's different advantages and disadvantages. So, oh. uh, well, Kim I mean, and I Chan. Touch on that, but, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll definitely um, got to do a part two of this for sure. Thanks for kind of joining in and uh, being part of this uh, GDEX. This is also part of the time where if you want to throw some people your way, where can they check you out? Either an art station. Uh, let them know. Yeah, I mean, I have an art station account uh, and I have an Instagram uh, art station. Both of you can search for a concept, K-I-N-C-E-P-T. Um, I don't post as much as I'd like to uh, just because I'm so busy. But uh, I, if I were to update, those would be the places to update. So. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. 
You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail future, go to patreon.com forward slash slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody